Yes, amen. You may be seated. This is the time when we invite the children forward. So if we have any kiddos who are comfortable coming forward, we invite you to do that. And we know we have kiddos at home too. My own family is at home. So we'll say hi to Augie and Natalie and Olivia this morning. We have a story just for you if you want to come join us. And if you're not comfortable, that's okay. You can stay right where you are. Either way, we have something for you. Let's give them some encouragement. Can we give them some encouragement? Yeah. Hi, Mac. Hi, Winston. Come on. Hi, Winston. Hi, guys. Yes, and we have, we have, let's see, is this Canyon coming? Yeah. It's Canyon coming. Great. Okay, so we have a story for everyone, but it's also especially for you. But first, I want to, can I tell you something about myself? I have something called asthma. Do you know what that is? That means sometimes it's hard for me to breathe, especially when the allergens get really stirred up outside. So today, I'm not going to talk as much. You can be happy about that. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, And I might not move around as much either. So I just want you all to know that's what's going on right now. So I'm trying to reserve and preserve my energy a little bit. So Miss Angie is going to step in, and she's going to read you a story, and she's going to ask you some questions first. And I am going to be the microphone stand. Okay? Good morning, guys. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Canyon. Hey. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about things we do sometimes that we shouldn't do. And sometimes we feel really bad about it. Do you guys ever feel bad about stuff you do? No. (laughs) All right. Yeah, sometimes, especially if you have siblings, you're like, you probably are mean to your sibling, and you know you shouldn't be. Sometimes that happens. I have two of them, so so, so I want you, we're going to read the story, and I want you to listen for how God acts when people in this story do wrong, okay? So, yeah, okay, you guys get to see the pretty picture up on the board. See, you guys, there's a picture, and if you can't see it while I'm reading it, you can look up behind you, okay? So this is about Adam and Eve leaving the garden. In the middle of the Garden of Eden grew a very special tree. And God said to Adam, you must not eat the fruit from this tree. In the garden lived a serpent that liked to make mischief. He liked to do things he wasn't supposed to do. Mm -mm -mm. The serpent said to Eve, if you eat the fruit from this tree, you will become like God. You will know everything. The fruit looked ripe and juicy, so Eve picked one and tasted it. Then she handed it to Adam, and he ate too. As they chewed, the fruit began to taste bitter, and their smiles turned to frowns. That evening, God walked in the garden and called to them, Adam, Eve, where are you? But Adam and Eve were hiding. They were afraid because they had disobeyed God. Why are you hiding from me? God said. Did you eat from the tree in the middle of the garden? Eve made me do it, said Adam. The serpent made me do it, said Eve. God let out a deep, disappointed sigh, like the wind in the trees at night. Not only had they disobeyed him, they did not even say they were sorry. God punished the serpent, and Adam and Eve had to leave his glorious garden. From then on, they had to work hard in the fields to grow food. But God still loved them and watched over them wherever they went. 
Have you guys heard that story before? Yeah, you've heard it before. Yeah, yeah, we hear that story a lot. Oh, I don't want to drop everything. All right. So, <laughs> so what, what did Adam and Eve do wrong? Yeah, they ate the fruit on the tree. Why was that wrong? That's right. And it, it and it also wasn't good for them. It turned out it tasted yucky, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that serpent was mean, man. So, when you guys do something wrong, does mommy and daddy mommy and daddy still love you even if you do something wrong? Yeah. Yeah, of course they still love you. So does God still love us when we do something wrong? Yep. Candy's <laughs> having to think over here. He's considering weighing the options. Okay. So, um, so yeah, God will help us learn to do right things, and Mommy and Daddy will also help us learn to do right things. So what we're going to do now is... <laughs> Have you guys ever seen this? Do you know what it is? It looks like a coloring book. <laughs> yeah, Canyon knows. You move it. See, if I move this, this little lines goes up and down. Yeah, and if you you uh, move it this way, it goes that way. You guys want to see me draw something? No. Okay. Do you guys want to see me draw something? <laughs> what should I draw? A what? A snake. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's see if I can go. All right. We're going to go down, and then we're going to go. Okay. I got to make a W here. And then go back down there. Are you sure? Oops. I went the wrong way. That, this looks like, does that look, does that look anything like a, what does it look like? We, we don't know. <laughs> so you know what's really cool, though, about an Etch-A-Sketch? Is that when you mess up, you can shake it and it's all gone. It's all gone. It's totally, totally erased. So, uh, hold on. Let me get back up here again. I should have given it to Pastor Amy. Because can, can you do something with it? Here, give it a shot while I'm, while I'm talking. <laughs> okay, so... So, um, I have to look at this. Sorry. Um, so, sometimes we all make mistakes. Like, I made a bad, bad mistake. I was trying to do that drawing, and it didn't turn out very well. And they laughed at me, but that's okay. <laughs> because the Etch-A-Sketch lets me start over. I can erase it. And sometimes when we make mistakes in life, it's okay because God lets us start over again. God still loves us. God stays with us. And God lets us try again because there's nothing we can do that is so bad that we cannot try again and start over again. Okay? So now we're going to do the little short prayer that is in the book. And after that, we'll do the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Okay, so the short prayer in the book. Dear God, help me to do. Okay, you guys repeat after me. Dear God, help me to do. 
what is right, and to remember, you love me, even when I do wrong. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, and I can't remember the rest of it, <laughs> our daily bread, <laughs> and forgive us our trespasses. <laughs> so we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. Us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I wish you guys could hear them. That's why I'm, I'm going to keep stopping and just listening to them because it's so cute. So, okay. <laughs> Amen. It is cute to hear the Lord's Prayer in these little voices. Can we give our friends a, a round of applause? Thank you so much. And kiddos at home, thank you too. So now you can go to Sunday school or you can go sit with your parents wherever you feel like you can learn about God best. Yes. And we do need the Etch-A-Sketch for the next service. So, we can borrow it for a little bit. <laughs> One more round of applause for our kiddos. Yeah, now you guys can go to Sunday school. <laughs> Aren't they precious? <laughs> so in engaging the kiddos in Scripture this way and in reading from the Storybook Bible, this is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last summer... This summer, actually. It's not quite over yet, is it? This summer, my kids were given this splash pad by a dear friend. And we, Jason and I, have really loved it and embraced it as a source of entertainment for our kids because it's easy to set up, it's easy to supervise, it's easy to clean up, and it goes great with a side of popsicles. So we have enjoyed this as a family. A few weeks ago, Augie, who is our five-year-old, came into the house soaking wet, and he clearly jumped back into the splash pad after I had told him water playtime was over. I'd already given him a frozen treat to help him wait out the time so that his swimwear would dry. So I asked him, did you get back in the water? It was an accident, he said. It was an accident, I asked. You accidentally walked 10 feet across the yard and suddenly found yourself back in the splash pad when I said your time was up? He just looked at me with wide eyes. I think he knew he was in a precarious situation. So I said, did the giant splash pad get up and chase you around the yard until it was under your feet again? 
No, Mom, he said, that's silly. So, well, then how did you accidentally find yourself in the splash pad? He said, well, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. It wasn't me. These phrases are a refrain in our house as we are raising a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a 21-month-old. We hear it when a glass of water is spilled or when the siblings are fighting or when there's a mysterious interaction with a splash pad in the backyard. On our best days, Jason and I take a deep breath and we try to explain the difference between an accident and a mistake. We tell them an accident is is something that happens unintentionally. It's unexpected. It's often unfortunate. Sometimes there are happy accidents, but typically it's an unfortunate situation. So Augie is correct in that when an accident happens, it's not something that we mean to do. But a mistake is not always so simple. A mistake, in a classic sense, is an action or a judgment that is misguided or wrong. But here's where it gets tricky. Sometimes we know from the beginning that something we want to do is not going to turn out well for us or for the other people in our lives, but we do it anyway because we don't care who gets hurt in the process. Honestly, for most people I know, this is not how things go. Most people I know do not make decisions with total disregard. For other people. We do, however, sometimes make a questionable decision without fully considering the consequences. We can be truly inconsiderate in that way. It does happen. Even more than that, though, I suspect that when you and I make a mistake, we do so when we don't have all of the information. We're not aware of the error in judgment or the fumble we are about to make. Or perhaps When we make a deliberate choice that turns out to be a mistake, we have misjudged or minimized the consequences in our heads. We've told ourselves that the outcome is not going to be that bad. We would never mean to hurt anyone, of course. There it is. The difference, the true difference between an accident and a mistake. In an accident, we don't mean for the action to happen at all. In a mistake, we don't mean for the consequence to come down upon us or someone we love. In an accident, we don't mean for the action to happen at all. But with a mistake, we don't want the consequence to catch up with us. In other words, we don't want to get caught. Adam and Eve knew something about that. Theirs is the story of humanity. We find it in the very first book in our Bible. These humans are described as being created in the picture of perfection. And we can read two stories of their creation, one in chapter 1 in Genesis and one in chapter 2. We talked a little bit about their creation last week when we launched this series that we're calling The Stories That Made Us, A Childlike Look at Faith. So during this five-week period, we're taking some time to reconsider these stories that many of us grew up hearing as children. Last week, we focused on God's creative nature and on the invitation we have to take part in that creativity in our daily lives. And in the coming weeks, we will read about Cain and Abel, Noah and the ark, and Abraham and Sarah. But we can't really go too far in these stories without considering the story of Adam and Eve. Our story today takes place in Genesis chapter 3, so if you want to go back and read it in your favorite translation, you can find it in verses 1 through 24. 
in chapter 3 of Genesis. It's a familiar story to many, even for people who don't read the Bible, even for people who don't consider themselves to be people of faith. Everyone knows about Adam and Eve and that crafty little serpent. The fall, we call it, the fall of humanity, the big mistake. And sometimes we wonder, how could these people have been so stupid? We tell ourselves we would have made a better decision. We would not have made the same mistake. Or we tell ourselves that such an error of judgment probably was inevitable because human beings can be selfish and short-sighted. Either way, we can picture ourselves still living it up in the Garden of Eden without a care in the world, wondering what went wrong. How easily we forget that Adam and Eve are not merely two figures in history. They are representatives, representatives of us, all of us, male, female, non-binary. Perhaps that's why we can identify with the cycle of shame and blame that we experience in this story, because it happens so quickly. The serpent comes and weaves a convincing tale, planting seeds of doubt about the trustworthiness of God. Eve reasons that God is good and God is loving, and perhaps she misunderstood the instructions. And Adam, who is right by her side and presumably witnessing the entire exchange, participates in this experiment, in this test against the word of the serpent, pitted against the word of God. Almost instantly, the situation begins to fall apart. They know they have done something wrong. They feel ashamed. They hide from God. And then God catches up to them, and the finger-pointing begins. Adam says the woman made him do it. Eve says the serpent made her do it. We didn't mean to. It's not our fault. It was an accident, in other words. This is such a familiar mind game. As old as Adam and Eve When we human beings make a mess of things, we often confuse accidents and mistakes, glossing over any part of a bad choice and certainly downplaying any willful disobedience on our part. When we do admit a mistake, we barely stop long enough to think about what we have done before we begin to make excuses and implicate other people in the wrongdoing. And truly, we can get so far into that blame game that not even God is exempt from our accusations. We see that in today's story when Adam says, the woman you made did this. And Eve follows suit with the serpent you made tricked me. In other words, how could this be our fault? How could it be our fault when you have stacked the deck against us from the beginning? I find this to be one of the most painful stories that we can read in our holy text because God's disappointment with God's own creation is palpable. In the storybook version that we read this morning, Desmond Tutu describes that divine disappointment as wind in the trees, a heavy sigh from the creator of the world because not only did the pinnacle of that creation do something disrespectful and destructive, They didn't even say they were sorry. The situation then moves from one of confession and excuses to consequences and punishment. And it's worth taking some time to distinguish between the two. The consequence is the natural result of an action. It's the direct effect of our choices. But punishment, on the other hand, is a penalty that is imposed 
because of an offense. We often conflate the two, but the difference is really important. So in the case of the splash pad in our backyard, the consequence of Augie's choice to go back in the water after his time was up was the soaking wet clothes and the extended wait time because he wasn't allowed to come in the house yet. If I had chosen to punish him, which I did not do, I could have said, you're not permitted to play in the splash pad tomorrow because you broke the rules. So a consequence is the the next natural thing that happens in a series of events because of something that we have done. But a punishment is something that is leveled against us by an authority figure in our lives, presumably to invite us to think about what we have done so we don't do it again. We see both in our text for today. The consequence of that first taste of the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil was bitterness and confusion. The eyes of the first human beings were open to the things that they could not understand. They had the knowledge all right, but they did not have the wisdom. And knowledge without wisdom can be fashioned into a weapon quicker than you can sew a fig leaf together. The punishment, of course, was their banishment from the Garden of Eden. And the way I read it, precisely because they had abused the privilege of living there. They couldn't be trusted anymore to observe the boundaries that God had given them in the seat of paradise. So it's easy to read that punishment as being overly harsh, to cry with Adam and Eve for a second chance, to beg for God's grace and God's mercy. But God's grace and mercy are all over the story. In Genesis chapter 2, when God forbids Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of that one particular tree, the punishment is spelled out death on that very day. Well, we know, in fact, that Adam and Eve did not die on the day that they ate the fruit, which is the very definition of mercy. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Mercy is not getting something that you deserve. It's a reprieve. Not only did Adam and Eve not die, but they were given the opportunity to go on living. No longer in paradise, it's true, and with much clearer boundaries, absolutely, but still in God's good creation, with everything they needed to build a life together. That's grace. Getting something we don't deserve, a second chance, life from death. Beloved, this mercy and this grace is ours as well. Thanks be to God. And the really good news is that when we accept it, we can grow into the wisdom that only connection with God and honesty with ourselves can bring. This is how we can deal with the knowledge that comes our way when it seems like it's too much to bear. What I'm saying is that when we grow into enough spiritual maturity to admit when we have done wrong and accept the consequences and the punishment, if it applies, we can be set free. Set free from shame and blame. These are two more words that we often use interchangeably, but they're not synonyms. Shame is a feeling of embarrassment or distress because of wrongdoing, a feeling of embarrassment or distress. Blame is placing the fault 
of that wrongdoing on someone. In other words, shame is knowing that we've done something wrong and blame is assigning the fault for that wrongdoing to ourselves or someone else. Now, these are not bad words, but we use them poorly. Feelings of shame can lead us to secrecy and self-loathing. Accusations of blame can divide us from one another. And this is what happens when shame and blame are thrown around without any grace, without any mercy, without any forgiveness, without any reconciliation. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be held accountable. I'm not saying that we shouldn't learn from our mistakes. I'm actually saying the opposite. When we recognize our mistakes and we admit our responsibility, shame and blame no longer have any power over us. We deal with the consequences and accept the punishment, and we come out on the other side understanding more about ourselves, about humanity, about the world in which we live, and the God who created it all. It's a journey of self-awareness, this life, and we don't walk it alone. Even when we do things that end up making our life harder for a season or forever, God is still with us, offering grace and mercy, giving us guidance, setting us on a new path, a sustainable path, if not an easy one. Adam and Eve could attest to that. Yes, east of Eden, they had to work harder for their supper, but they were fed. They had to work harder for their relationship, but they had each other. They had to watch out for snakes, but wasn't that always the case? even in paradise. And the truth is, the snake was not their problem. Their personal lack of responsibility was the issue at hand. Their inability to recognize the difference between an accident and a mistake. So this is our charge for this week. In this time in life, when we have so much to look out for, it's exhausting. Our charge is to consider the difference between an accident and And a mistake when things go wrong, when something happens that we didn't mean to happen. In other words, we can ask ourselves, and I'm still not seeing the slide, so I'm going to have to ask you to do it, Grayson. Do you have a slide with a question on it? Somewhere? There it is. We can ask ourselves, what is my role and my responsibility in this mess? Because chances are we did play some part in the conflict, even if we didn't mean to. Chances are we played some part in the conflict, regardless of how unfair the situation is or how crafty our enemies are, and we have some consequences to face. So what is my role? What is my responsibility in this mess? It is in honestly considering this question, beloved, and in being willing to hold ourselves accountable to the answer that our big mistakes will shrink in the power of God's grace and God's mercy. Amen? Amen.